Hi, my name is Trish, the core behavioral therapist. And my guest today is Tyler Steinke, and he works with Runway um, Innovation Hub. He hails from uh, Miami University of Ohio, um, and I believe you're from Indiana. <laughs> is that right? Yes. Okay, cool, cool. So Tyler, can you um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. Well, thank you, Trish, for having me on the podcast today. And I'm excited to have, uh, you know, just a fun conversation together. And yeah. <laughs> a little bit about me, uh, my background. So I am originally from Indiana, did grow up on a small farm town there in the Midwest. So I have that perspective. Uh, as you mentioned, went to school in Miami University in Ohio. Uh, and my background, uh, I spent some time working in marketing and advertising in Chicago. I always really loved startups and had some experience working at a startup in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved to San Francisco in 2015 and joined Runway Innovation Hub. And throughout that, I've continued to lead and grow our consulting business unit. So working with global corporations to help them um, partner with startups to, to fuel their growth. So see a lot of cool innovations, technologies, amazing startup entrepreneurs and global executives. So uh, excited to be here today. That's awesome. Thanks for that. I, mean, I know Tyler travels a lot to Asia as well. Um, so that's pretty cool too for your job. <laughs> yeah, the, a lot of China and Japan uh, based on what we're doing. So it's quite exciting to see the different cultures there. Yeah. Did you pick up any Japanese or Chinese, any language? Cantonese, anything? Uh, a little, a little. We have, we have <laughs> some pleasantries like, I got the gozumasu. <laughs> oh, that's What's that? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Do that again. Do that again. Arigato gozaimasu. <laughs> okay, I don't even know what that meant, but okay, hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's about the extent that I know. Uh, just a wave and smile. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. That's awesome. So, okay, so um, this podcast, as you know, Tyler, is a mental health podcast. Um, and I wanted to get your perspective because I've been speaking to a lot of different people and I think your perspective is pretty um, important and cool as well. Um, With Black Lives Matters, um, everything that's been happening right now, what have you been doing, um, because you are a director and you have employees, what have you been doing um, to help with people's mental health or work morale or emotional and physical health and including yours during um, these times? Yeah, for sure, Trish. Happy to speak a little bit about that. And before I get into it, just want to state, you know, all views are my own. I, I'm not acting as a representative of Runway on this podcast, but uh, just speaking about my experiences. And um, as a director, I at first didn't know exactly what to do. Um, for those of you who are listening, I, I am a white male from the Midwest, and it's one of those things where um, – with Black Lives Matters, there's a lot of different viewpoints and a lot of sensitive topics. Uh, my staff currently, we don't have any African-Americans, black people on staff. Um, we have a variety of different backgrounds, Latino, uh, Asian, uh, and that sorts, um, and different people who are U.S. citizens and non-U.S. citizens. Um, what I did in that sense uh, is just give a space to talk. Right? Our all-hands meetings are usually Monday morning at 10 a.m., and after some of the, the initial protests, it, it would be naive to think that we could continue as normal. And although I didn't have too much to say on the topic yet, because I was still formulating my thoughts, what I did is I gave my team a space to talk. Uh, some 
some took took up on that and did speak to what's going on in their involvement and how they're feeling. Others were a little bit more quiet and those tended to, to be people from, from different countries who maybe didn't grow up in the United States. But um, what I've been doing is really giving space for conversations and asking questions on, on how they're being involved, showing interest in different people's point of view. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds really great. Um, what, that, that's a great that you provided a space. Not many people can do that. What, um, process did you go through to think about that? Think about creating a space for your um, employees. And also, um, I'm very interested and curious to know how come there are no Black employees at Runaway Innovation Hub. Yeah, both great questions. Uh, so the first, the thought process, where in my, my experience leading my, my, at my company, but also just other uh, small groups, church groups, other things of that sorts. There's so much power in people knowing that their voices are heard mm-hmm. and having the ability to share what's on their heart and what's on their mind. Because um, there's nothing, one of the, the most frustrating things is when you want to talk and people just sweep, sweep it under the rug or it's not addressed. So, um, it was very much so just an intentional space where I wasn't sure what would come out of it. I didn't have the alternate agenda in mind, but in our team, team stand up our all hands and also in our one-on-ones with, with individual employees, just bringing it up and if people want to talk, they can, if they don't want to talk, that's fine as well. Uh, but having that space for people to feel as though their value, uh, their opinions valuable and it's heard. That's awesome. So their opinions were valuable. Yeah. Um, thanks for saying that. Yeah. That's a, that's addressing as a woman of color that's very powerful for me to hear from you a privileged white man um so as <laughs> as if you didn't know <laughs> your second question is a good one too yeah do you care to, would you like to answer that one how come my second question was um how come there are no black employees at your startup yeah, I was talking with a good friend of mine the other day, and he leads a team at a, at a big uh, engineering company, an automotive company, and um, we were talking about this, and it's not that we don't want to hire black people, because he doesn't have any black people on his team either. Mm-hmm. What it is actually, it's a pipeline problem of talent, where when going through and still being a merit-based company, right. uh, how we can find those individuals who are talented and who do you know meet our criteria and our standards for hiring and um, it's very non-existent i've interviewed plenty of um well, i wouldn't even say plenty uh, in my time five, the past five years of the you know several hundreds uh, applicants that i've had for different roles on my team i'd say less than 10 were probably applicants who were of color uh or black and, and it's very much so the education system and the fact that we're not um we're not giving uh, and not enabling these communities of color to uh, to succeed from an education standpoint, right? When it comes to funding or backgrounds and being able to give them the opportunities that other people might have, so it's not that it's it's intentionally, uh, you know, being prejudiced against Black people on our team. It's it's very much so those um, if there are, if there are talented Black individuals who want to work in corporate innovation, consulting, and venture capital, uh, you know, I'm happy to give you my email afterwards. Um, but it, it's very much so a problem. Let's go. That's awesome. Um, that's awesome that, you know, if anyone's listening um, out there um, and you um, are African-American or Black and you have um, the qualifications, don't hesitate to call, contact Tyler. Um, we can give his information at the end. 
but it's really interesting because as you were speaking, I was thinking about the same thing, education and the systemic racism that happens in this country, that there are privileges in different education institutions, different school communities, and you hit the nail on the head with that. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, and and the thing is, we're not going to solve the world's problems with with protests and everything's going to be good within two months, right? Right. Where it's going to take multiple generations for this to fully heal. And these seeds that we're planting now, it'll take another 20 years for that pipeline to come um, come to fruition, right? if we're thinking about for talent into the marketplace in the future. Um, so, you know, the youth of America now will be the future pipeline of talent when it comes to, to the workforce. So it's going to take a long time, but I'm glad that these conversations are happening. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. It is, it is going to take a long time because we have a lot of work to do in this country. Um, so I totally hear you. Thank you for answering that. Um, what does white privilege mean for you? <laughs> Great question. We yeah. had issues with this talking about this recently. So go ahead. <laughs> so white privilege is something that I never really understood growing up because it's all I knew. Right. And it's one of those things where you don't understand it until you you actually see the absence of that. Um, so white privilege for me is having, in a way, an advantage or, you know, thinking about certain scenarios where if color were stripped away that you have an advantage, right? Like, like let's just say that, uh, you know, if there's a white male and a black male and uh, based upon certain criteria, um, let's just say, you know, they continue to choose the white male based upon maybe it's the name or the college or some of these other things. Exact. Um, right. So it's, it's something that, um, you know, I, I've never once really feared about the police, like with a police drives by, like that's white privilege right there, right? It's being able to have a different perspective um, entirely based upon things that, that I have now no control over, right? My skin color, my gender. Right. Like you just totally read my mind because my next question was going to be, have you ever been pulled over by a cop? And if you have, what was your experience? I got pulled over many times, Tyler, if you want to know. <laughs> but have you been pulled over? And Tyler is from a very small town, um, a farm town, basically, in Indiana. So yeah. things are quite different from where I kind of grew up in New York and New Jersey. <laughs> Yeah, I would say, um, yes, I have been pulled over, all for speeding tickets. Uh, <laughs> Even you. <laughs> so I have some funny stories about that. My most recent, I actually did get pulled over in April, uh, about three months ago uh, by an officer. And um, it, it, to your point, it, it wasn't scary. Um, it wasn't as though I had to be fearful for uh my life i i knew i did wrong i knew i was going too fast and um i did have a friend with me a white female in the car and um, it was a very normal experience and it was something where uh, it was very casual and actually the cop was was a little bit more lenient with me uh than than others could have been in that scenario so yeah i i haven't had let's just say a, a fearful uh, police experience other than just you know the heart racing a little bit from getting pulled over yeah did you get did you get a ticket 
Yeah. Oh, you did. Good. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, my goodness. To you, Trish. <laughs> huh? I'm I, I see you, Trish. <laughs> well, no. I'm, your experience is quite different from, let's say, a black male, um, as you know what's been happening in this country. Um, but yeah, that is a great example of white privilege um, as well. You know, what's it like for you to be in San Francisco where it's much more diverse, I guess, um, than where you grew up? Like what kind of values do you bring into the city, into the inner city area um, from your hometown, from like the Midwest? Yeah. Coming to San Francisco was a hard transition. Uh, even coming from Chicago to San Francisco was a hard transition. And, and it's a different city. Uh, it's different people, different cultural values. And one of the hardest things about San Francisco, it's, it's a very transient city where people move very quickly. Um, they're in and out. And what I've found is this lack of ownership, if you will, of the city, where very much so people say, like, you know, I live in San Francisco, but it's not like I'm a San Franciscan um, and things of that sort. So there's this lack of identity, which has a lot of implications throughout throughout the culture, right? When we're just thinking about homelessness, streets, cleaning, and all these other things. Um, I digress. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to values, um, you know, growing up on a farm, uh, hard work has always been uh, something that I value. Um, integrity is something that I value, and respect is something that I value. Where, um, you know, one of my my teammates uh, pulled me aside one time and really respected how much I just give the same uh, attention and the same uh, worth, if you will, to our, our doorman uh, in, in the Twitter building compared yeah. to an executive at the same, the same table, right? Um, where you're looking at people through that lens of love, like through the lens of value and respect. And that's something that I, that I definitely take to San Francisco and just the way that I approach business. And, you know, it's one of those things where, even through that, there, there, there's sure sub, subliminal or subconscious biases that that may affect you know, how we engage people, but it's still the intent and like the heart behind it is to like, you know, look through that lens of respect for for the other person across the table. Yeah, I love that. I it reminds me of a picture of uh, when President Obama gave someone a fist bump. I think it was a janitor or a guard. I don't know who it was, and I just like that image just flashed through my mind when you were talking about that, just treating everyone with respect mm -hmm. thing. And, um, yeah, um, Usain Bolt did the same thing with a helper on the, um, track. Did you ever see that picture where he did the, uh, he acknowledged him and it was in like the beginning of a race or something. I thought that was so powerful and yeah. it made the guy's day. He had this huge smile on his face and everything. So that, that's great. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you bring those type of things into your actual workplace like what is it that you can that you can bring to your workplace to let it be known that black lives do matter because you, you speak about giving love and and the heart and yeah what is it that you can do to help your little change uh in this world yeah it's i love the example you you said there uh trisha when it comes to just making those little changes and I always say the most valuable thing you can give someone is time, right? Because it's the most limited resource for everyone. Right. 
has a finite amount of time. You can get more money, you can get more wealth, you can get more things, but time is the most valuable resource. And um, it's give people that time. For example, you're talking about Usain Bolt and Obama and mm -hmm. I know Roger Federer has done some of these things kind of too. And um, it just makes me think of, of our, our front desk guy. Uh, his name's Robert. And he's kind of, uh, he's a little bit grumpy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, he is a black male. Um, but over the last four or five years, you just really get to know him, right? Like his favorite thing is to go to the movie theater and watch Marvel movies. Uh, you know, he has a digestion problem, so you can't give him food. So um, like some of the things like that, just getting to know people and giving them a space to talk and hearing about things that are going on, right? You know, making their day with maybe like it's a movie theater ticket, which we do for Christmas and things like that. And, mm -hmm. um, like how can I bring that same love to a topic like black lives matter yeah. with without overdoing it too is a great question right i think yeah. a lot of kids right now are jumping on the marketing bandwagon just to well i'm gonna say it feel self-righteous right no i feel you i get that i get that oh i i see it um, on social media i'm with you with that some people are unfortunately using black lives matter um as a marketing tool and it's not genuine in my opinion Definitely. So from us, from our process and from some of the actions that we do, you know, giving, giving that equal the voice and time to those who maybe we can help, whether it be startups who were, you know, we're apply, are applying for the incubation, our, our space, um, who needs some help and assistance, you know, giving them the equal voice and supporting them, um, those who may be founders of color, um, or maybe it's, you know, supporting certain events or even with our time. Right? like being able to, to support different activities uh, within neighborhoods. Uh, you know, for our company uh, and some of the actions that we've done is usually, you know, a couple times a year we'll go don uh, volunteer and donate our time to um, you know, charities in the tenderline when it comes to different activities like that. So, um, you know, we don't have um, a full integrated Black Lives Matter campaign or, or messaging. It's more about... Um, like continuing to treat people with respect, continuing to value diversity. And it has brought up some really good conversations around you know, revisiting our values and what role does diversity play within our values within the organization now. That's pretty awesome. It sounds also like cultural um, competence, cultural awareness being integrated, perhaps in your program um, with your employees, perhaps at your workplace. That's what it sounds like to me. Hmm. Um, do you have any mental health tips or self-care tips for people who um, are going through a stressful time right now? Like, what is it that you do? Yeah, great question, right? There's so much chaos, like, right? We went from COVID to protests to, <laughs> I mean, I guess economic recession. It's <laughs> Oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, <laughs> some, a couple of just mental health tips. First, stay active, right? Um, get the blood flowing. Like the, the blood needs to be flowing in the body, move around, get outside, get fresh air. Um, you know, I like to go on some runs, you know, not too intense, a couple miles, maybe do some uh, video workouts, just follow along, really easy guided on YouTube, yoga, things like that's uh, really important. So that's the first. The second is actually sun. Ooh. We need to get outside and get sun. 15 minutes a day of direct sunlight on your body, your forearms or something um, is so important for happiness, especially when we're a lot of people are still in quarantine or have been inside a lot. Yeah. Get outside, get some sun. I love to go just take a walk, grab a coffee. I grabbed my coffee right before this, went outside. Um, it's so helpful. 
and the third is um, it's just talking about it, right? Like really actually being vulnerable and telling people, letting people in, right? Not trying to put up a facade, but it's like, hey, I just, I just feel really claustrophobic today or like I feel depressed or I just kind of feel hopeless. I've heard all of these things right now and, you know, people are left with their own thoughts a lot lately. And sometimes that self-talk um, can be good. Um, for a lot of people, it's not good. Like myself, I have daily affirmations every day in the shower. I take a cold shower. Well, not not the whole cold shower, but the last minute. And uh, I tell myself, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am wise, I'm a leader, I'm a lover, I'm a great brother, father, friend, son, and future husband. And it just gets my day. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's just um, just those little things like that, right? Even when you don't feel it, convince yourself of it. That's so awesome. That's and you do this almost every day, or? Yep. You do this. Wow. So, did you make up like a schedule for yourself? Does this work for you when you? Does it work for you when you make a schedule to do that kind of thing? Um, I have a routine. It wasn't overly intentional. Uh, I usually wake up between six, six and seven go spend 45 minutes to an hour doing some kind of activity and then you know, take a shower make breakfast and get get the day on the road yeah this sounds so great Tyler it, everything you just pretty much said um, helps alleviate any anxiety and depression people may feel and that sunlight that's important you know Tyler I want to thank you so much for being here you're a great guest great great person to have a conversation with and thank you so much for your point of view Absolutely, Trisha. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to continuing the conversation with anyone who wants to follow up. Talk soon. Actually, can you actually give your Instagram? Well, what are you allowed to give? Any contact information or no? Yeah, you can find me. Uh, my handle is Tyler, T-Y-L-E-R-A, uh, Steinke, S-T-E-I-N-K-E, if you want to find me on Twitter or on Instagram. Thank you. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, Thanks. for listening. Bye.